G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 84 of the Outback Mind podcast. Appreciate you joining in once more. Very special guest on with us tonight, uh, Anthony Ingerson. A lot of you would remember Anthony from his AFL days, primarily playing with Melbourne Footy Club, uh, as fullback from memory. He played uh, some unbelievable games on some awesome full forwards, which I'm sure we're going to touch on. But prior to that, he played for Adelaide. But more importantly, Anthony is a, a really beautiful man, a really heart-centred man. And post his AFL career, he's done a lot to help humanity. And um, now we're going to really explore that uh, and sort of what that, that actually did for him, sort of burnt him out a little bit and maybe uh, uh, contributed to some mental health problems. He's had some issues uh, within his own family with regards to, to mental health issues, which we're going to touch on, which I'm sure will be insightful and helpful to a lot of people out there. So, um, you know, Anthony's really grac- graciously offered his time to have a chat. Um, we've had some good conversations previously about... Uh, these sorts of topics and, and what we can do to help humanity. And Anthony's certainly done a, a lot to do that, but there's a lot more to come as well. So really grateful for him to come, to come along and, and have a chat with you guys and uh, and really offer some um, some practical knowledge on how we can manage our physical and mental health better and be a bit more proactive with it. Uh, we have a really reactive model in modern society, as you know. So if we can support each other and be more proactive with the way that we approach life and the way we manage ourselves, then... I'm sure our physical and mental health will be a lot better. And, and guys like Anthony, you've got such a great story to tell uh, to be able to support us with that. So I really uh, appreciate him coming along. Just want to make special mention to our primary partners, Green Nutritional, uh, Green Nutritionals, who provide awesome organic superfoods which support our physical and mental health. So I really encourage you to, to check them out uh, and some of the wonderful products that they source from all around the world. Um, organic products which are you know, so much better than the synthetic uh, options that we see out there these days so please check them out uh, greennutritionals.com.au also we get some support by or from Pure Life Organic Sprouted Bakery their breads are available all around Australia I was really keen um, to get um, Pure Life on as a sponsor because I know their breads are so good for digestion their breads are sprouted and uh that helps the digestion process much better than what it is when we eat normal breads and so forth and glutinous products. So when our, when our uh, gut health is working better and our digestion works really well, our mental health works better, it's, it's an easy, easy philosophy. And unfortunately, we sort of get uh, caught and stuck in, uh, in this digestive distress consistently. But if our digestion is working well, we feel better physically, but also that helps our mental health. So I really encourage you to check them out and support them, purelifebakery.com.au. All right, listen to Anthony and I going out. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm sure you'll enjoy and I really appreciate your feedback. Anthony Ingerson, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, no worries, mate. Really, really grateful to have you along. We had a, a really good chat uh, recently and, uh, mate, you've got such a, a beautiful um, you know, story and journey to share with everyone out there, but, you know, you, you're such a, a heart-centred man and, and done lots to help humanity, so... You know, I'm sure the listeners out there um, right throughout regional Australia and, 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 and beyond will be able to get a lot from our chat, mate. So I really, uh, really appreciate you coming on and having a chat with me. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Sorry, mate. See where we... Sorry, go ahead. I said, let's see where we end up. That's it. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the beauty of it all here. So... 
Mates, I uh, just want to have a bit of a chat, at, uh, firstly, about your career. Obviously, you were brought up in Adelaide, I believe, and now sort of uh, life sort of, you know, took you through school and into the AFL system, I guess, in general, and anything that might be significant within that time that you, you might want to share? Um, look, I grew, I grew up in uh, Salisbury, which is um, it's technically a city outside of um, Adelaide, mm-hmm. and always grew up very from central districts and at about the age of about 12 or 13 my parents uh, moved into town so we moved into town and went to different schools in town and because of that was ended up being tied to a team called Sturt Um, but I tried out at Sturt as a young a young fella at 15 they weren't really that interested in me um, playing there they had a lot of other players that they obviously thought were better than I was and that's fine <laughs> and so really um, the motivation of when someone says you can't do something probably motivated me a lot more to go out and try and be the best I could be and so right. um, I'd always back for Central so I um, asked if I could go out to Central to start training in the under 17s and so I had to actually get a clearance from Sturt to play for Centrals which meant um, catching a train 45 minutes in the other direction to go to football training and then for quite a long time my mum came and picked me up because I was only 15, mm. picked me up from school, picked me up from footy training. But she was very happy when I turned 16 and got my licence and did, she didn't have to do that anymore. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it was a bit of an interesting start to my footy career because, you know, I already got the knocks and not in the face at the beginning and realised that, you know, you know, maybe I needed to work a bit harder, maybe I needed to do something different. So once I got to Centrals, I worked pretty hard and um, got some good opportunities, I suppose, got to play in the Teal Cup and state football and it was quite interesting. I, I played all my junior football as a forward, mm. but in the Teal Cup we had too many forwards, so I played as a defender and then went back and played most of my senior football in Adelaide as a forward and then came to Melbourne and played as a defender. So some, somebody knew something was going on. I think you won as best and fairest at Centrals as well. How old were you then? Uh, 20, maybe. Yeah, and when did you get picked up the following year? Uh, yes, I got picked up the following year. So maybe I was 21 when I won the best and fairest because I. Um, it was an interesting time because... Um, the Crows had uh, what was called a moratorium over all the players in South Australia. So they had that for two seasons. Mm. So I was, again, pretty disappointed. I'd been, I'd sort of been playing SANFL football for a while, but I probably hadn't really um, hit my stride, I suppose. And, again, one of those times when maybe I was just flirting with my ability that... Uh, the Crows probably uh, slapped me in the face a little bit because they they, they picked 50 or 50 players from the NFL to start training in that first season and I didn't get picked up. Mm. So I was pretty frustrated and so probably went away and thought maybe I need to work a bit harder. Mm. So that season when they did that big pre-season, I worked really hard and that was that was uh, one of my best seasons in the NFL and I won the best and fairest at Centrals. And then the next season, which was 1992, I uh, got picked up by the Crows, and um, which was an interesting time. Um, it's probably not my favourite time in football. Um, I was uh, never really uh, felt at home at the Crows. I was always 
um, in and around the team, but not always in the team. There was always somebody I, I would sort of play if one of maybe four or five different players weren't playing. Mm. But when all those players were playing, I was always out of the side. So, yeah, it was a frustrating time. And it, at the end of uh, 1995, I actually told the Crows that I didn't want to play anymore. And um, they should either trade me or I was just going to go back and play at Central Districts. Mm. Um, and in those days, when you didn't play in the senior team, I played back at Centrals, and I'd always loved playing at Centrals, and I had a lot of good mates there. So I was quite content on just going back and playing for Centrals. Um, but in the end, I got some advice um, from the coach at the time at Centrals and said you should give it another try. And so um, spoke to my manager and a few other people, and the next thing I know, I end up in Melbourne. Unbelievable, mate. I, yeah. I just I just want to ask you the year that you won the best and first. You said you worked hard. What were you doing differently um, than what you would have previously done that day, in that period? Um, look, there was a, there was a bit of a change of the guard at the football club as well. We had a, we got coach, and um, I'd played for probably about four or five. I think it was my fourth season, something like that. And I was a bit stale, and because I used to drive a long way to training. Um, I actually asked if I could do pre-season by myself mm. and not, not do it with the club. Mm. And at the time, my sister was married to an American guy and his father um, played in two winning Super Bowls. Right. So, um, and he was, he was actually a lacrosse player. So he and I trained a lot together mm. and we trained. I just got fitter. I think I also grew into my body a little bit and I grew into – what I needed to do to be a successful league footballer, mm. and uh, and at, at the at, well, I started pre-season just after Christmas, and they said I could have I could do my own thing till Christmas, but then after that I had to start playing or be, being part of the club, mm. and the club gave me a leadership role in that that year. I became I was like deputy vice captain or something like that, and that changed a lot of things because I, I now had to. Um, lead and the only way I, I thought I could lead was by setting an example because I was still quite young to be uh, one of the senior players of the club. So I think that made a big difference for me. Mm, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you were ready for the responsibility too. Yeah, I think so. And we, our team was, we weren't going that well, so we had a lot of changes and it was actually quite an interesting year. Our captain and vice-captain both got injured and I ended up captaining, captaining the side for quite a long time. And, yeah, I, I just got a bit of belief in myself, I think, and that was probably the thing that I really struggled with when I first went into the AFL was um, the coaching staff, because I was sort of in and out all the time, I just didn't I, I didn't feel like I was uh, really wanted or really um, fit in grade or something like that or maybe I, I maybe in, I, I started to doubt whether I was actually good enough to play league, uh, AFL football mm, yeah. and so I, I never really um, probably got the best out of myself when I played for Adelaide mm. and so moving to Melbourne I changed a few things and <clears throat> it was it was a different time than it is now we were all working on I'm, I'm, I'm a builder mm. so during my time at Adelaide, I worked as a builder as well, so on the pools, doing carpentry and lots of other different things. And so when I came to Melbourne, I decided that I wasn't going to do as much of that and I was going to give footy an opportunity mm. um, to be number one. 
whereas I'd never, I'd always really classified it as a sport and just something that I enjoyed doing. And I was fortunate enough to get paid for a pretty fun part-time job. Mm. Mm. Mate, so it sounds to me like with regards to Adelaide, you you got uh, some really good life experience playing for Centrals and that built, yeah, built yourself confidence and uh, uh, obviously when you went there, I think it probably would have been Graham Corns and so forth coaching at the time, but um, through that, uh, there was probably a lot of egos there and it sounds like you were pretty mature for your age and maybe you just didn't fit in with that particular culture. Um, look, maybe. Look, at, at the same time, um, <clears throat> I've never been scared to say what I think. Mm. And um, sometimes that probably didn't sit very well at Adelaide. Mm. And so um, that probably didn't do me the best of um, favours at playing at Adelaide, but that's okay. You know, we all live and learn. And I certainly wasn't in the place, in the space of being a professional footballer. I was a semi-professional footballer when I was at Adelaide. And so, again, one of those opportunities to either... um, take it in your stride or get knocked around and go backwards, I suppose. When I came to Melbourne, I changed what I was doing for work. I wasn't working uh, as physically and um, focused more on football and thought, you know, I'm here for a certain amount of time. I might as well give it a decent crack. And uh, the, the day that I walked into the Melbourne Football Club, I felt like I was at home. Um, it was, to me, it was very much like Central Districts. Um, culturally quite different, but the feel of the club and the feel of um, the people around me and uh, the want to be there um, and the want for someone, them for me to be there, um, was there. And so I flourished. It was Neil Danaher leading the ship there, is that right? Uh, not initially. So when I first went there, it was Neil Baum was our coach. Yep. Um, and then um, he was there for two years and then Neil Danaher came in uh, at the end of my second year and... Uh, Neil Danaher was uh, just exceptional for my football career. Mm. He, um, I remember the very first day I met him, um, I was walking through the club and he'd, he'd just um, uh, been appointed and we hadn't even started training yet. But again, because I was not from Melbourne, uh, the footy club was such a huge part of my life. So, you know, even when we weren't training, I would be down at the club or doing something because it was just part of what we did. Whereas at Adelaide, you know, I had a whole other life in Adelaide. So mm. it was so different when I was in Melbourne. And anyway, I bumped into Neil walking through the, cha- through the change rooms or somewhere, and he said to me, Ant, here's the deal, you know, you're going you're gonna to stand the best uh, forward of every team every single week. I believe that, you, you know, you can do it and you're going you're gonna to be a better player than you have been in the past, and I'm going to help teach you to do that, and I believe in you and, you know, Go out and train like you're the best centre half back in the league. That was and Neil Danaher was that said that was that right? Neil Danaher said yeah, that. Yeah. It just made a massive difference because instantly he, he was just on my side, and it was really interesting. Neil and I are not very much too dissimilar in age. He was only 36 at the time when he came to Melbourne, and I was 29 or something. So we're not that much difference in age, and we just connected really well. Mm. And as time went on. Um, he really encouraged uh, my leadership within the team and um, I, I, in lots of ways, as much as I uh, was playing on a man, I was almost a coach on the ground and so I was allowed to make moves, I was allowed to move players around, I was allowed to do lots of different things and the coach 
the runner would come and see me rather than changing players. He would, I could move the players around on the ground and it was a lot of fun, you know. Mm. So it not only um, helped me concentrate, but it also um, uh, gave, gave me the real sense of belief. And so, you know, I, I went from an average player to a pretty good player and, under Neil Depp. And how good would it have been? Because he played like obviously a similar position, I guess, and uh, would have been yeah. able to give you lots of... Uh, you know, tips and tricks with regards to that. Yeah, and look, Neil, Neil and I, I'm not sure what they're doing now, but Neil was certainly in my mind ahead of his time and he he just analysed the opposition and would analyse the opposition coaches' moves and stuff like that. And it was like we were running out of the ground and we knew exactly what the opposition were going to do. Mm. Um, it was quite incredible and um so we felt like we had another player on the ground a lot of the time. And so, yeah, he, he, he was a brilliant coach and he's, he's been a huge influence on my life and particularly the group of players that I came through, we're, all really, we're still all really close and, you know, we're still close to Neil and we all spend quite a bit of time with Neil and, you know, obviously he's going through a pretty difficult time in his life but he's, he's an incredible man and he forever says... You know, this is one of the best things that happened to him because he he's got a purpose. Yeah. You know, and you know he 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 talks about the big freeze and uh, fight MND, and he said, you know, he wouldn't be alive if he if he wasn't doing that stuff mm. because it's given him a reason to get up every day and and keep fighting. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he's been doing it very well, and obviously engaging engaging many through that. And and just on that, Anthony. Um, you work closely with Jim Steins as well, and obviously you saw some, uh, some, some, uh, you know, some, some similar things going on with him that he was trying to battle pretty hard to, to keep with us, and uh, obviously that uh, that battle never got won. But you would have uh, you would have experienced some good times and also some some pretty difficult times with Jim. Yeah. So look, I, I was very fortunate when I first came to Melbourne. Jim and I connected really quickly, and um, through. Through footy and um, we we roomed together, so um, I always had the little bed. Jim had the big bed. You know, he was the boss of the show, but um, uh, it was good. You know, we had some great times, and then obviously, um, as, as footy started finish, I, I got more, I got back into building and um, got pretty heavily involved with Reach and. Did, quite a lot of stuff for them and, you know, was fortunate enough to be involved with some great people who uh, bought a building for Reach and then I was fortunate enough to bring people together to help renovate it and uh, create what we call the Green Factory, um, which is a pretty special place, not only just for Reach but for lots of other charities in Melbourne. Sorry, that was the Reach Foundation that Jim started, is that right? Yeah, Jim and another guy by the name of Paul Curry started an organisation called Reach Yep, and it it's a, a charity predominantly based around um, help, helping young people find their path and find their uh, – get some focus around, you know, everyone's a good person. They just need to – they just need someone to give them a bit of guidance at times. Mm. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of young people don't have a mentor in their life or someone who can help them get through some different times. So – Reach uh, has a whole story around playing the dragon, which is um, it's a very private sort of time, but it's about you know trying to 
um, let go of your demons and be able to move past those situations and realise, you know, in lots of ways, you know, they might just be in your mind, mm. you know, and quite often we build things up that are much bigger than we really think they are and especially guys do that a lot and guys are not great at communicating and so it, it, it's the space that we create, it's called a sensory and in that space it's a, it's a very um, uh, powerful space but it's also a very precious and private space so it's about, you know, you don't necessarily talk about it once you've left that environment unless you're with the same people. So, mm, mm. Oh, yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. And so Jim and Paul um, set the wheels wheels moving and, in fact, neither of them are really – obviously Jim's the spiritual leader because he's not with us anymore and he certainly inspires – still inspires a lot of people, but there's a lot of great people. And they're pushing along with a lot of Jim's philosophies. It's great. Mm. It sounds to me um – Look, that that sort of work was really heart centered for you. You you really enjoyed what you were doing. It sounds like you might have contributed to some some significant change with with young guys and girls that were coming through that particular program. Yeah, definitely. You um um the thing the thing about working with a charity, you know, and this might be a simple thing to say. It's easier to give money mm. at the end of the day. Mm. Sometimes it's not because sometimes we don't have any, but um, it's far more valuable to give time. Yeah. And that's what people need. People need – you need people to give money to be able to have other people to give the time because there's people that need to be able to put things in place to be able to give people opportunities to spend time with people. And, um, but yeah, reach is a fascinating place and – I always talk about every time you go there, you learn something and often you learn something about yourself, even though you're there mentoring somebody else. But um, the lessons that you're trying to teach actually make you think about where you're at in your life and what you're doing. And um, a lot of the lessons we've learned in life are all pretty simple, but often we complicate them by overthinking. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, mate, 100%. And... Oh, yeah, I, I agree, Anthony. We, we do. We're, we're very much in the mind. We need to be more connected to the heart. And, and what you sort of described there was two different forms of energy, money, um, which, is, which is energy in its essence, but also, um, you know, the, the, the help and the work that you're doing, which is what you were doing, which is more heart-centered. And, and that's what I believe we're meant to be doing as humans. Uh, the, 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 the economic side, um, you know, will give, will give some sort of sense of joy temporarily, but you're able to connect with other humans and, and help lift them up and do it really from a, a place of, uh, of feeling and, uh, and do it from that heart space and that's when you can have significant change and that's far much more valuable than money, would you agree? Oh, for sure. But, but there's, a, there's a balance in that too because, um, and I think we spoke about this the other day and I've certainly been in this position too where um, the, there's the, the classic scenario of the aeroplane story where you know you can't you can't help anyone else unless you help yourself first mm. type thing and so you know they talk about the aeroplane and the oxygen masks come down if you don't put yours on first you won't be able to help anyone else and so um when, when you are working in this space and you're doing a lot of stuff you need to make sure that um 
you've got a stable income too because you can't give so much that everything else in your whole portfolio yeah. type thing. And so I've been in some situations where I was doing a lot of building and I used to do a lot of building for a lot of charities. And so I used to do lots of favours and lots of things and, you know, it used to make me feel good. But at times uh, that was taking away from my own family. Mm. And it's about getting that belt right type thing. So, you know, it'll, we're all individuals and we're all a little bit different. And so it's just about finding your balance and what works for you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I agree. If, if, if anyone out there can give time to young people, it will be invaluable, not just for those people, but it will be invaluable for yourself and the lessons that you'll learn and that. Um, we've all got a story and we've all got experiences and young people just... They crave some knowledge, and so I, I couldn't encourage anybody more to get out there and get amongst um, and get involved with helping other people get through life. It's pretty difficult at the moment, and, you know, with all this craziness of COVID and the on-flowing consequences of, of COVID and the flow-on into lots of communities is really difficult. Yeah, oh, no, no doubt, mate. You know, I think we'll step back a little bit here, but with regards to the work you were doing and a lot of the giving that you were doing, did that, that affect your, your mental health, I suppose, unconsciously around that period of time? And obviously you might have found that challenging because you weren't getting that financial cash flow coming in, which might have made things a bit difficult for you as well? Oh, for sure. And, and look, um, uh, since I finished football, I've predominantly been in the building industry and predominantly run my own building company and um, it's a boom and bust industry and there are times when you can do very, very well um, and there are times when, you know, you don't get paid for whatever reason mm-hmm. and, you know, it could be we did a poor job, it cost more than the client than anticipated or communicated. There could, there's a million reasons why um, sometimes you don't get paid. And um, that puts a lot of pressure on not only yourself but your family and then the people who are working with you within the company and around you. Mm. Um, And so, look, I've certainly ridden the highs and lows of the building industry and have done uh, extremely well out of it, but there have been times where my company went into liquidation and that was a really, really really difficult time in my life. And through that time in my life... Uh, um, I ended up getting divorced as well, and that put that the building company put a lot of financial pressure on my marriage, and unfortunately, mm. that didn't survive. Mm. And you know that therefore meant that my my girl's parents weren't together anymore, and a whole whole raft of different things happened during that period of time. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't wish liquidation or divorce on my worst enemy at the end of the day. Mm. So, um, yeah, it, it, it is difficult, you know, through that time you start to question yourself and when good people like Jim get sick, you start to question yourself and I, I've had pretty much two simple philosophies and one is good, good things happen to good people. Yeah. You've got to have a smile on your face. You've got to enjoy what you're doing and um, when Jim got sick, that really knocked me around a lot because I, I couldn't understand and... And at the time, I was going through a really hard time uh, financially and, 
you know, I, I thought I was a good person and I was I, I really started to question what I was doing and why I was doing things and, you know, why why was I um, helping other people and, you know, why wasn't I, you know, focusing on my own things and this isn't mm. – I don't really have the answers to any of those questions mm. Mm. but I know that um, slowing down and looking at things differently really helped me. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. Financially it was really hard because – for the first time in my life, I couldn't pay some people that I owed money to, and that that really knocked my self confidence around, and it knocked around a lot of, and and um, it hurt a lot of people, and that's not what I'm about. Mm. So it's it's been a it's been a really difficult time in my life, to be honest. You've moved through all that pretty well now, though. Uh, yeah, look, we're still we're still on the end of some of some of the implications of. The closing of my business, that was actually a long time ago. It was in 2015 now, so, you know, yeah. seven or eight years ago, but it still has implications on my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, you learn lessons and, um, you know, I've learned a lot through the process, you know. I wouldn't really like to go through it again, but I'm, I'm glad that I've been through that process and I've learned a lot more about myself and, a lot, a lot about people who support me and who are around me and who my friends are and who probably I thought were my friends but were probably really just acquaintances at the time. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's it's interesting and we, we, we all go through ups and downs and whether it's a financial or, you know, in a relationship or that, you know, your work isn't quite going so well or whatever it is and it's about, um, particularly for guys, it's about finding someone you can talk to. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, I remember one day when Jim was sick, I caught up with him. This was probably only a few months before he passed, and we were sitting. You know, he was drinking one of his crazy drinks of God knows what had had in it. Yes, um, yeah, I remember seeing photos. Jim had crack at a few different things. Yeah, um, he said to me, "Why don't you come and talk to me?" I said, "Mate, you had you had way too many things on your plate to talk about it." But you know, it was it's interesting, guys. Um, really struggle to talk to guys a lot of the time and but I really encourage you to do that because as difficult as the initial conversation is the relief and the ability to talk to the next but the first person that might not be able to solve any of your problems but you get it off your chest yeah and then much easier to talk to somebody else about it mm. and then maybe that someone else or maybe the third person down the line is actually the person who can help you yeah and you don't if you don't ask, you don't get mm. at the end of the day. So if you sit at home and you just ponder and you, you just go over and over and over the same situation, you just get stuck mm. and, you, and you need good people around you. Yeah. And that's one of, the, one of the great things of sport. You know, we sport and particularly team sport is around people. And, you know, I've got some great friends through football and I've met a lot of great people through football that not necessarily played but met them through football clubs and different bits and pieces and, you know, I'm very fortunate because of that. Mm. Oh, absolutely, mate. That, that's it. It's a, it is a journey. You know, sometimes these things in our life with what you've been through uh, are, are happening for a reason, I guess, and it's being able, able to divert that and, uh, 
and ride the speed bumps to be able to sort of come out a, a stronger and much more compassionate person at the end of the day, which is really giving you the ability to be able to access you know the real you more and more and, and through those challenges um and many of us don't sort of uh take the, the 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 hard road we sort of take the easy road and might hit the booze and sort of stay stuck there but it sounds like you've been able to manage your way through that and sort of come out of things pretty well now and just touching on what you said about talking it is a, a difficult thing for guys and it was for me as well mind you coming from a rural town to be able to, you know, really express my emotions. I couldn't talk to anyone in my family about that. And um, there was none of my, I suppose, friends or acquaintances as they may be now were able to, you know, you just get the, the judgment, I suppose, rather than the, the compassion uh, to be able to support you. And it sounds like you were, you, were, you were quite fortunate when you did start to come out and talk about things that there were some people that you could really um, confide in and they were able to help you. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, through each, I did I did a few courses, um, and it was actually interesting. I probably initially spoke to people that I didn't know. Yeah. And I think that's a bit along the lines of what I was saying before, is that ultimately, probably more often than not, the people that you do know are the ones that can really help you. But sometimes you need to talk to somebody else before you get to the right person. Yes. And... You know, I did a few courses through REIT and through another organisation called the Lighthouse Foundation and um, they were pretty challenging courses and um, but they were they were very good for, um, yeah, just thinking outside the square and, and you know, I, I think you're right. Things do happen for a reason. Sometimes you can't find a reason, like, you know, how many poor farmers out there they're going to go. What? Why? Why are we in drought? Yeah. You know, like you, you just can't explain some things. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, one of my best mates at home, you know, has had a beautiful business, and the bushfires roared right through his house. And how is there any reasoning behind that? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and just devastating. And so, a lot of time it is hard to find that reason. And you know, there's a lot of times you you just can't. And so you've got to keep going forward and go. Why? The reason. It's because I'm here and I, and I love being here. Yes, that's right. You know, and it might be the people around you. It might be this, it might be that. And, yes, I'm going through hard times, but there's a reason for me being here and, you know, that's that's why I'm here. You know, you've got to start to make the most of those things. And sometimes just the smallest little positive can set you down the correct path again. Mm, oh, absolutely, mate. That, that's it because... We can, like, you know, it's really interesting with guys, we can get comfortable and you stay in that comfort zone, but when, when something happens that's out of your control, to actually say, okay, what am I going to learn from this? What am I going to sort of uh, come out through, or come through this with, you know? what What is there in this opportunity for me to be able to grow, you know? And um, if life was, pardon me, like, like if life was like simple all the time, um, you know, we would not grow and uh, I guess, there's opportunities every day, Anthony. We, we walk out the door, we don't know what we're going into a lot of the time, you know. So to be able to actually, like, have your eyes wide open and look at little opportunities to be able to grow and learn and develop, I think is really key. If we're in this robotic mode all the time, which, you know, what's going on at the moment can really put us in, but to be able to be more conscious and be able to be aware of all the, the, the simple things in life, like the sun coming up and going down every day and the actual energy it's giving us and all these little things that we actually take for granted. And, um, uh, you know, there's, there's all these little gifts around us consistently that we're, we're 
um, oblivious to uh, primarily, but you know, there's a lesson in every day for us, I guess, um, if we actually choose to, to be open to that. De- definitely. And if there hasn't been one benefit from COVID, it has been that we've all had to slow down. Yeah. We've, we don't, you know, some of the best things have been you don't have to go to a restaurant, you don't have to, you don't have to catch up with people. Mm. You know, a lot of people have got back to nature and gone and seen, you know, just going for a second on the clifftops or the beach or something like that or walk with a dog, mm-hmm. it's really good. And like that, when you lead a busy life, those things are really important. You know, you've got to put your phone away and, you know, suck in the fresh air of being in nature for a little while. Mm. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head before. You know, you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep reading. You've got to keep uh, pushing yourself to want to, want to grow as a person. And because if you... Standing still, you're going backwards at the end of the day. And there are so many books. There's libraries everywhere that you can grab books and, and, and you can learn. Mm. Oh, everyone's got a story. That's the beautiful thing about this podcast, you know. Like everyone, everyone has got something to tell and, and a story to tell, which is something you don't get in a book, you know. Primarily the life experience of an individual is so unique and um, to be able to, you know, learn some things from that is, is tremendous for, for guys out there that mightn't be able to, you know, maybe read or sit still and, uh, for long enough, like me sometimes, to be able to, to do this sort of thing, to be able to listen is such a, a gift um, that, we, uh, that we seem to uh, uh, ignore. We listen to the negative all the time, but to be able to switch it and say, no, I'm going to switch off the, the, the negative stuff, I'm going to listen to more of the positive stuff that's going to help me grow, I think is, uh, is a real gift. And, um, you know, we, we just have to watch the news and watch, um, you know, the media, the, the mainstream media about the fear that's sort of going along with that. Well, sometimes it's important to be able to balance that out with a lot, you know, quite a bit of positivity as well. And, and that's where the growth, you know, really happens. Yeah. And, and look, I think um, I, I've got to find everything in moderation, including moderation. Yeah. Type thing, because... You know, the extremes are not healthy for anyone, but you, every now and then you've got to eat KFC or do whatever you feel and, or drink too much or whatever the thing is. But a lot of the time, if you eat good food most of the time, you, you, you can get you can get away with that. Yeah. And, but that's the same. In, you know, I, I'm probably the other extreme. I, I wake up every day feeling great and thinking I'm going to conquer the world type thing, and so that wasn't reality either. Yeah. If you understand, so you know you, you can be the negative, but you can't be the positive too much too. And in being Mister Positive, you can ignore things just as easily as you do when you're Mister Negative. Yes, that's right. But, so um, it's it's about finding that middle ground, and or well, not so much middle, but find your balance. And you know, the thing with that is we're all different. You know, what I enjoy, someone else might not enjoy. That's absolutely right. It's about about, um, giving it a try and continually looking for things that you do do and enjoy. And every day you should enjoy something. Mm. You know, it's important because, you know, we all go to work for a long time and sometimes, sometimes we need to change what we're doing at work as well because maybe it's not good for us. Well, you hit the nail on the head too before with regards to the crows and moving out of that system because it wasn't the good one for you, you know, and uh, you you can get stuck in that mentality, oh, I'm here, I've got an opportunity, all that sort of stuff. But really, if you want to expand yourself, you've got to sort of make a decision where 
you say, well, you know, maybe this isn't for me. I need to take a, a step sideways, and that step sideways, you know, evolved in you being something that, uh, um, you know, w- was probably uh, not in your wildest dreams at that time. About to walk into a club where you had such, you know, great people that were more aligned with you rather than than going the other way, I suppose. Yeah, and and it's funny. It's certainly, I didn't have a bad time at the Crows because the Crows didn't want me there. Mm. At the end of the day. They certainly didn't have intention at all at the end of the day. They wanted me to be the most successful footballer I could be. It just didn't sit with me at the time, Mm. you know, and I went to a different club and it was funny. I actually came here with a negative attitude. I signed a two-year contract and thought, well, if if I uh, don't make it in two years, I'll just come home, Mm. you know, and I've, I've now lived in Melbourne for 26 years. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, so I've lived pretty, I turned 52 soon. I've pretty much lived half my life. In September this year, I lived half my life in Victoria. Mm, mm, that's it. And you were a mature age player when you went there, you know. So yeah. your brain had already developed at 25, you know, and that's what we don't actually understand with young guys. Our brains are still still evolving and developing, and, and you were probably at that stage where you were mature enough to be able to be, able to recognise yourself and also have that self-awareness to, um, you know, to, to understand who you really were and look at the values which were more important to you a bit more closely, I guess. And I, I don't think I knew how to push myself mm. at the end of the day. I don't think I knew, and that's one thing I tell my kids all the time, they have no idea how hard you can push yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, when, when you become a professional sportsman, you do some pretty crazy things and... Those crazy things that's there to make you remember, you know, when it's the 30-minute mark or the third quarter and something's happening, you, you, you've still got another petrol tank that you, you, you forget about. Yeah, yeah. And over time, you learn to go harder and harder and harder and you, you see the guys, you know, the guys who've been in the system for a while can find another gear even though when they're struggling or, you know, they're feeling tired. It's because they've had years and years of practice. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. That's the key to life, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter whether it's football or anything. If you're doing that repeat, uh, the growth the growth will happen. And um, it's interesting. I, I, um, I used to train a few blokes for fitness and I got myself to a stage where I was really fit. But what I did was I'd always do extra. So I knew, so it was a quarter of football. It was only 35, 40 minutes. I knew that I could go hard for a lot longer. You know, so that put you in good stead to, to realise that, um, you you were getting breaks throughout a, a quarter perhaps as well. You know, you were stopping, whereas if you worked at an intensity for 45, 50 minutes, then you knew that you could go to that distance and, and be able to do things which were, I suppose, you know, in line with, uh, with, with game time, I guess. It can actually, like, give your body the knocks and all those sorts of things to, you know, be able to um, uh, appreciate that intensity. And I guess, you know, if, if any young fellas listening or anyone in general... That's, that's, that's looking at fitness or learning meditation or, you know, something in business or whatever, if you do that extra work, like when, you, when it comes to, down to doing the real stuff, it actually becomes easy because you know you, you've got more in the tank to be able to, to give. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. And if you look at football as an example, the guys train 300, 320 days to play 20 times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. And, and you know, during pre-season, we're training two, three, four times a day, massa doing this, doing that, blah, 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 to play 20 times. Mm. If they're lucky, they play 25 times in the season. Mm. It's a fair demand, isn't you it? Know? So, and, and 
don't get me wrong, that you look at an Olympian who's, who who trains just to perform maybe for 30 seconds every four years. You know, it's it's craziness on the big stage. Mm. The footballers are quite lucky. They, they We actually get to play quite often. So, you know, the the... If you don't enjoy the training, you don't enjoy the hard work, you don't get the success. Yeah, oh, I agree. It's interesting, mate. Um, you made a comment before about the positive and the negative and so forth. With guys in general, when we wake up in the morning, our minds are on. Like We are anxious, I guess, uh, in many ways, if you, if you want to like call it that. So we're thinking about you know what's happening. I really believe my, my biggest learning has come uh, to be able to settle the mind down in the morning so the mind's more neutral. So you're not thinking about the past or the future. You're actually like more in the moment of what's going on. And then things start to you know, really take care of themselves. And I've seen in some sports people over the years, you know, the ability to be able to sort of, okay, I'm not, I'm not able to do anything about this now. I'm going to get my mind balanced and, and settled again. So when I do get to that part of the day where I'm going to play or train, that I'm, I'm 100% there. Um, and I guess in, with, with, with guys in general, if we're too much in the mind, then we're, you know, we're getting the job done before we've actually done the job, you know, and uh, that yeah. can be quite detrimental to our, to our well-being. Oh, definitely. And, and it, was a, it was a big exercise for, because I, um, I, le- I got told very early on when I started playing for the Crows that um, by a, a footballer who played for Glenelg, he was a full forward and he kicked a lot of goals, but he was an architect. Mm. And so he, he approached me because I was a builder and I was, didn't kick so many goals, but I was playing forward. Anyway, the um, and he said to me that you needed to learn to com- compartmentalise your life. Because when you're a football, you are a footballer. But when you leave football, you're, some- you're, you're something else, be it whether you're at work or whether you're a husband or a dad or, in my case, I was a builder at some of those times. Mm. And it took me quite a few years to work out how to do that. Yeah. And in the end, I worked it out by leaving my mobile phone in the car. Mm. And uh, when I – because I, I worked all the way through my football career. And so if I left my phone in the car, as soon as I got out of the car at foot, football training, I was a footballer. Mm. And, I, and because we spent a lot of time at the footy club, you know, I, I could normally have answered a few calls and, you know, I might have had five or ten guys working for me while I was still playing footy. And I was always distracted. So yeah. I learned to leave my phone in the car and just when I was at football, I was at football and then the second I walked out of the out of the football club, I was whoever else I wanted to be. And so I didn't think about football either. Mm, yeah. So it was really good for my football too because I didn't overthink it. Yes. Um, and as a sportsman, particularly when you're playing full back or something like that and you're, you're playing on guys who are going to kick goals, mm. you know, it's pretty hard to not overthink, oh, my God, he's kicked five goals now, what's going to happen next? But... What is going to happen next is completely relevant to what happened just before. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a new opportunity to do something, and that's, I think, one of the greatest gifts I learned out of football was, you know, you don't have to have a bad day for the whole day mm. type thing. And you can you can start off and maybe you're having a, a pretty crappy day. Maybe your guys kick three goals in the first quarter, but it doesn't mean he's going to kick 12. Mm. That's true, you know, absolutely. He, yeah, well, yeah, he, you're going in there he, he with an expectation, I guess, aren't you? Yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't have to kick three every quarter. Just he's three in the first quarter. He might kick four. Mm. And, hey, you stood Tony Lockett and you had a good day and he kicked four goals. Mm. But he happened to kick three in the first quarter. 
Mm. But, you know, early on in my career, if, I, if things, and, and I think a lot of players go through this, if, they're not, if they don't play well at the beginning, they think they're going to have a bad day, but they don't have to. And mm. that, can, that can very easily be portrayed in life too. You know, something can go wrong in the morning or, you know, your car doesn't start or something like that, whatever the situation is. It doesn't, that situation doesn't define your whole day. Mm. And so as you get older, you start to realise that things that happen to you, they don't have to define your whole life either. That's right. Absolutely. And the guy that said, obviously, you know, segmenting your day or, you know, putting your day into compartments is the same thing, like first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. You can actually do that with your day. I'm going to be... uh, Doing this, you know, I'm going to be present between now and 10 o'clock and between 10 and 2 and 2 and 6 and then 6 and 10 and then my day's done. So looking forward to those small little segments rather than just going out there with, uh, with um, you know, no sort of, I suppose, framework with regards to it. And um, and that can sort of help our uh, mental health as well if you've got little small goals that you can um, you can sort of work on rather than sort of having no sort of uh, structure to what you're doing. Um throughout your day or whether it's your work day or sports um, sports game or whatever you're doing, I guess, uh, Anthony? I, I think, under, and, you know, one of the things that we were gifted as of playing a lot of sport is the, the focus on setting goals. You know, it's, it's not rare to see people who are, who are goal-driven people who are successful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's so many stories and there's studies from Harvard and all these kind of things that, that show and prove that people who are goal-driven and have their goals written down are more than likely going to achieve them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I agree. And it's, it's honestly, you, they, they talk about it as being manifesting in Eastern cultures. If you want to manifest something in your life, you have it there. You bring it out of the field into you and be able to live and you know in, embrace that i guess and if you've got that energy and that intent that 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 moves forward and comes true so we have this innate ability uh, as as humans to be able to bring things into our life by actually like bringing our consciousness to that and being able to to um you know really really feel into this being a reality i guess and you know we don't have to be feeling depressed and anxious all the time if we get an intention and be able to set that intention and be able to work towards it, it can actually really happen, whether that be big or small or whatever it may be. Yeah, and depending on where you are, they talk about um, your mental health as a continuum, mm. as in, you know, in the, maybe 20 years ago, your mental health was like the cold. You either had the cold or you didn't have the cold. Yes. Type. Whereas today's... Um, teachings are more around everybody is going everyone has mental health situations on a daily basis and it's it's you're rolling through different levels of that as the day goes along and it could be you know you suddenly you're driving along there's a car accident you're running late for something by complete accident you actually left early and you're very calm and the next thing you know you're running late and your anxiety's agitated and you know then you realise, oh, actually, all the people and say I'm going to be 15 minutes late and it goes back down again. Yeah, that's but it. We, 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 we all get lost at times during the day and so mental health is a lot more complicated than people think and, um, yeah, th- but there's a lot of ways that there's a lot of help out there and 
you know, we connected through um, some friends of ours mm. and, you know, what they're, what they're trying to put together and have put together, I, I think is going to really help a lot of people. Tell us a bit more about that. Um, so it's a, uh, what Simon would call it's a movement. Um, so Greg is, um, well, initially it's an app to help connect people. Um, and it's idea, the idea of it is, is to, uh, connect like-minded people to get moving again Mm. type thing. And so it's about finding people in your local area who have similar interests and are looking looking to do something and so it, it's a way that you, it's, a, it's a way that it can be done it's a way that you can connect with people that you don't know it's also a way that you can connect with people that you do know um but it's also about showing other opportunities of things that you hadn't thought about that are actually right on your doorstep but you didn't even know that they're there mm. so it's a group of guys from uh, Central Districts who came up with the idea and it's been driven very hard by those guys to, um, and they've not only invested a lot of money but also invested a lot of time in putting together something that they are very passionate about. A lot of people are passionate about how it can help men uh, improve their lives and it will be, it'll, it's a great thing. So we've had like bombardment over the years of, of apps and all these sort of, you know, various forms of technology what I'm seeing with this particular vehicle uh, is an opportunity to be able to use something that not only helps you sort of gain self-awareness, but also gives you some structure. Um, and I guess when we do struggle with things or we want to try and make changes, we actually need someone giving us structure. And um, a lot of people go to a personal trainer in a gym or a, a counsellor or whatever. But this is a, a way that you can actually like build some autonomy in your own life to be able to take control, but also have others around you, whether it be locally or old mates you played football with years ago, to be able to, you know, look at what each other are doing, maybe set some challenges, set some goals, have some conversations through this particular vehicle, and then be able to connect more rather than be more disconnected, I guess. Is that right? Oh, definitely. And at, at the same time, there's a, there's a fair bit of education attached to it as well. So, like, you know, someone might be on Facebook or Instagram and getting all these random stuff coming in. Mm. Well, you can you can uh, tailor the news feed to things that interest you. And that might be, you know, a particular type of news article or it might be a sporting event or it might be could, – could be all sorts of different. It could, it could just be the local fishing guy or something like that. Mm. So um, – yeah, look, it, it, it's a tool at the end of the day, and but but it, it really about um, guys connecting with each other and getting out there and you know generally generally talking to people and and caring. And it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's it. Well, mate, I think you know. My, 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 my whole thing's been about, you know, connection, um, face-to-face is great, all that type of stuff. To be able to sort of support guys, you know, in, in, in real time is awesome, but this is, this is an option which can be utilised alongside that. Um, you know, it can be used as individuals, as groups, to be able to keep that connection outside that group uh, and also to be able to connect with people 
uh, elsewhere that can that can give you that that I suppose that framework. And um, I, I think it's a tremendous thing. So um, yeah, I, I well, Simon and I actually uh, spoke on the podcast about it the other day, but I just think um, yeah, with, with guys like yourself uh, that have had a little bit of a role to play with it, and, and guys like Simon and, and others that have got you know such a a big heart to be able to do the right thing to try and help humanity and help help guys. Now, this is a great, great tool that um, that's going to help a lot of people, and uh, it has to work, mate, because it's coming from the right place, you know, and that's uh, that's the most important thing. Where can people find out about it? Um, well, they can go to the App Store, or they can go. They're on Samsung. They can go to the whatever store they call that, the <laughs> yeah. Google Store or something. I'm not quite sure that's called. I'm not, I'm not um, you can tell I'm a, an Apple person, but the yeah. basically they can just download the app. It's called Greg. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of it around the beginning was Greg is the, is the new norm. Yeah. And a lot of it based around um, norm from life be it, getting up and getting off the couch and um, doing some different things. And so that's certainly not why it's called Greg, but it is part of it mm. at the end of the day. And it is like a lot of guys our age can really connect in that advertising program from probably, you know, the early 80s or late 70s or whenever that was. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so ultimately the starting point is um, download the app and it actually asks you a lot of questions at the beginning and it starts to filter down the type of information that you might be interested in, that you're interested in. Mm. The good thing about it is you can always change those things. It's, it's pretty simple to use. Mm. Um but yeah, as we said, you know, there's it, it, the idea of this is to connect like-minded people who are doing similar things and putting events up on on the thing and say, look, you know, I'm going for a bike ride tomorrow. Is anyone interested? Blah blah blah, or whatever the thing is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so look, it's only it's only it's it's obviously in its infancies, but it's certainly getting a lot of traction at the moment. So um, I'm very excited for Simon and the guys who have. Uh, put a huge amount of time into it and you know i'm very thankful for simon to um get me involved yeah so oh, mate i think it's awesome so yeah really encourage encourage guys out there look look up this i'm going to do what i can to help simon with it and and you know it's a great tool for me to be able to access as an individual but also to be able to help um others that i communicate with to say well you know here's this um this this could be something that could be uh beneficial in your life check it out and see what you reckon and, and go from there so mate yeah. um go ahead. There, there are, there are um, i'm not saying there are lots but there, there's, there's certainly not many things like greg yeah but there are of um really helpful um things that you can find for free mm. online stuff like that that um are really good and you, you spoke before about um i think you said routine yep uh, what comes with routine is consistency yeah. at yeah. the day. And, you know, if you if you want to work on yourself, be it as a sportsman and want to get better or you want to work on your mental health or you just want to work on your fitness, whatever it is, you, you need both of those things. You need routine, you need consistency, you need a little bit of discipline, mm. you need, you need all, all, all those simple, they're big words, but they're simple things that create a pattern in your life that starts you to move in the right direction. Yeah, creating neural pathways, and when we get stuck, yeah. we, we certainly get uh, 
in that rut and it's hard to get out of. But if you look at things a bit differently and say, well, you know, as we discussed, what can I learn today? This is something that can actually get to get you to where you want to go. And if you can set a challenge for six weeks, well, six weeks can create a new habit and then all of a sudden you've got a new life, you know. You're not sort of stuck in, in the old patterns. So, mate, I really – sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's quite funny because I've really struggled. When I finished footy, I one of my knees gave up the ghost and I really haven't exercised much. I, didn't, I really didn't exercise at all for 10 years after I finished playing. It's now 20 years since I played footy. Mm. And – Around the 10-year mark, I got asked to go skiing, so I thought, oh, right, I need to get fit because I, I really don't want to hurt my knee going skiing. And I, So I, I went crazy and got really fit over a six-month period. Mm-hmm. And then I got addicted to exercise again for another bit of time and then stopped, and it was actually quite interesting. I probably, again, haven't exercised probably for really for six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Other than just walking and doing different bits and pieces, I don't... I don't ride a bike, I don't really go to the gym, I don't do many things, but, you know, I, I lead a pretty active life, so yeah, moving. I, I'm fortunate that I still have reasonably high metabolism, but the what was interesting is a couple of months ago I did the push-up challenge, Oh yeah, and with a couple of mates, and, uh, you know, you had to, the, I think the challenge was 3,000-something rather push-ups in a month, basically, mm-hmm. and it was really good because it had a lot of those things we just spoke about before, because... It had surprise. You'd wake up in the morning because you wouldn't know what how many push-ups you had to do the next day. They kept it interesting. So each day was different and each day had a reason why they chose a number. But at the same time, the organisers put like a um, uh, like a playlist together so that you listen to some music and you did some things. And my daughter actually the other day said, why don't you do the push-ups again, Dad? You, you know, you really enjoyed it. But I did, but I had it was because I had a routine and I had yeah. a purpose for doing it. Yes. And so you've got to find that. And if you don't have it, it, it is really difficult. And I really struggle with um, my exercise routine because I, I, I don't have a pack for it anymore. Didn't have the accountability. And, and I guess, you know, you can't be too hard on yourself. You've got to be kind to yourself too. Um, yeah. it's, it's really important to have that balance, but it's also good to have some, some routine and structure. So you have got movement in your day because we're meant to move as men, we're meant to move as humans, you know, so to be able to do that helps our mental health as well. But also being able to be self-aware enough to understand when your mind's at speed, how to peg it back and calm down again, I guess is, is a skill that we uh, we need to also sort of do to be able to balance our lives out as well. Otherwise we get too much in the mind and too competitive at the end yeah. of the day, which can be, can be tricky. Yeah. Mate, um... Really, really grateful for the conversation. Three things I was going to ask you. Best forward you played on? Um, uh, it'd have to be Wayne Carey. Wayne Carey, right, there you go. Yeah. And uh, it is because you you would you'd leave Wayne Carey for one second and you kicked a goal every time. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was really annoying because, you know, you could um, – probably beat him for or nullify him probably rather than beat him is probably not the quite word nullify him for a lot of the game mm. but you'd leave him for a couple of minutes and he would kick three or four goals in that mm. period of time so mm. he, he, he was the most difficult player i played on but i, I did play on quite a few good ones mm. best uh best leader you've you've, you've uh, experienced inside and outside of football um 
probably Simon, Simon Lewis. Yeah, the great man. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the best leader drew football for me was Neil Danaher. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most inspirational leader, and he, he just knew how to motivate people and he knew how to get people to, to go in his type thing. Mm-hmm. So, look, I played with some great players, but I, I think I think Neil would be the best leader I've, I've been around. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, was probably one of the hardest on people around too because he, he could see... Um, people's strengths and weaknesses and he, he knew how to help them um, be the best of themselves but he also he also knew that some people um, weren't cut out for it and yeah. sometimes that's hard to actually have to tell people that yeah yeah so um, and, and look he's been a huge influence on my life so hard for me to go past Neil Danham go past him most well, it's, well this is probably the same answer but the most inspirational person that you've experienced uh, throughout your life? Um, if, if I put Neil aside, um, um, it was interesting. I, I did a 28-day uh, meditation sort of course a few months ago, and one of the things, and I gave you little jobs every day, and one of the things you had to do was write down uh, 50 people who had influenced you in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, so many of those people were attached to football. Yeah. Um, be it a coach, be it a player that I played with at the time or someone who challenged me at the time. Um, obviously, my parents uh, have been really important to me and my, and, my, and my sisters, but, you know, so so have my children. You know, I think I've learned more about myself since I've been a dad than I, than I ever did as a footballer. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, I think um, le- leadership comes in funny forms sometimes and sometimes you feel their influence but you don't really know where they're coming from at the end of the day. And um, it, it, it's quite interesting. I'm not, I'm not an overly religious person but one of my favourite people and one of um, the people I really listen to and really care about and, and has really helped me through lots of things um, was the football club chaplain. His name was uh, Cam Butler. Mm-hmm. And um, he taught me one thing which is really important, and it is we all have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> yes. And yeah. you listen twice as much as you talk. Mm. So, and and he, he's one of the best listeners I've ever been with. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah, a hard to answer, but, you know, um, yeah, Neil Danaher is hard to not, not to be at number one in all of those categories. In the ancient traditions, it's called sunya, listening, listening, and the secrets of life are revealed. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that that's pretty much what Cam's given you, you know, to be able to do that. And it's a hard thing when we're guys, you know, getting back to what we we're talking about before, like getting up and being on, being positive, and all go go go, or being negative and feeling depressed, but. Having that neutrality and that neutral mind gives you the ability to be able to listen. You know, if you you're content and you you relaxed and you calm and you will listen, but if you're up, you're like weren't up like a top. It's very hard to do that. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. One of one of my sisters, um, my older sister, it is 
um, we're quite similar, but we're also quite different. And we were talking about work one day and about something or other, and I was talking about um, our bonuses at work and stuff like that. And she mm-hmm. said, man, you've really got to learn to understand your people before you give them bonuses because you said not everyone's motivated by money. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and so it actually took me back at the time. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know? Because mm-hmm. when you've got money, you can do whatever you want. And she goes, not about that, man. It's about how you motivate the people and how you inspire them to be the best they they want to be when they're in your environment. Mm, that's true. It's so much more valuable than getting a bonus, isn't it? To be able to be appreciated, to be able to be supported and feel loved. You know. Yeah. I, I think that's what we really need as humans, mate. And I just believe that heart-based leaders like Neil Danaher are the ones that actually can change the world. And that just goes not only for a sporting organisation but for the workplace and for a school teacher and all that. We all remember those individuals that were coming at it from their heart. But the ones that are, you know, too too wound up in expectations and, and the financial side of things, that's really not, not connecting with that. And um, there's a big lesson that we can learn from that man but also plenty of others that are like him, uh, Cam Butler and, and so forth of the world, that are really living more from their heart space and being able to connect with that heart space every day. I think such a... A gift that we've all got um, access to. We we just need to, you know, maybe maybe slow down sometimes to be able to get back to that um, that reality, and, and that's that's our true nature, I guess. At the end of the day. Yeah, definitely, mate. Uh, really, really grateful for the chat, uh, um, Anthony. And um, look, mate, I'm sure we're going to have another conversation not too far down the track. I really. Really encourage um, you know the guys listening to maybe look at the Greg app, which you've, you've had a bit to do with, and um, uh, you're not really doing much uh, yourself to be able to, um, to to do the mental health side of things at the moment. You're sort of not, not with Reach or any of them uh, anymore, so you're not sort of active in that space. Uh, no, not not really, but um, you know I, I've been involved with lots of things over the years. And I, I think. Um, um, look, I, I'm still connected to Reach and I'm still connected to lots of different things. Just, It's just sometimes you have to prioritise other things mm-hmm. and, um, you know, at the moment uh, I'm giving my energy to Greg and I'm really enjoying the space and where, where that's going. Mm-hmm. So I, I think um, so, sometimes we give too little to too many Sometimes we have to stay a bit more focused. Yes, and true. I've certainly been a a poor example of that a lot of times in my life. I've tried to do too many things. Spread yourself um, thin. Yeah, you spread yourself too thin sometimes. Mm. Um, in some senses, that's been that's been a great gift of mine as well. But at the same time, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't not go to a reach function if I got asked to go or someone called me. And I would, I would happily get back involved with Reach tomorrow if there was the opportunity. Mm. And so, you know, it's still certainly very um, something that's really important to me. Close to, um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you know, at the moment um, I'm enjoying being involved with Greg and jo- enjoying getting that out into the community. Um, you know, where, yeah, it's because it's just launched now is, it's in its infancy, so it's really fun and yeah. it's good to get it out there it's good it makes you come back to your childlike um behavior and your childlike mentality and having those little uh 
little buzz things going on in our life are really important, mate. It sounds like you're, you're engaged with it, and it's, as I said, it's coming from your heart, so it's going to be a success, I'm sure. But uh, really grateful for your time, mate. I'm sure there's lots of guys that's going to get a, a lot of information, a lot of support throughout, well, throughout our conversation. There's lots of terrific things there, mate, that... Um, that I'm sure people will uh, will reflect on uh, after this and, and, and well beyond it too, mate. So I really appreciate your time. No worries. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening in. Really long, deep conversation with Anthony. Lots of uh, really good info and content there. Um, such a, an awesome guy um, that has had an incredible journey throughout his football career, but also his life off the field as well. And... Um, Lots of positive um, information coming through that chat that, uh, you know, if there's anything's going on in your life that might be, might be going on as well as what you'd like, um, you know, there is a way through and, you know, he's, he's got himself uh, back into a good space now after a bit of a, a tricky period. So uh, it can, uh, can definitely happen as most, uh, most of the guys that have been on the podcast have been able to demonstrate many times. So thank you for joining in. If you'd like to uh, touch base, uh, please email me, support at backmind.com.au. More awesome guests coming up over the next few days, so please tune in. Uh, Keep tuning in and please share the podcast with others. Thank you.